This is Hope and Health with Doctors Michelle and Mark Sherwood. Insights and interviews with a dose of straight talk to help you enjoy optimal health in all areas of life. All right. Well, welcome to another edition of Hope and Health. And listen, it's my pleasure today to give you some true inspiration from a guy that I met a few weeks back, Joe McGee. He's an itinerant minister from right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I got to know him uh, a couple weeks back and we just had a great time. He actually invited me on his podcast. So I felt <laughs> like a million bucks on that. So Joe, well, thanks for joining us today, man. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. I'm honored. I'm honored, Doc. I'm honored to be here. All right. So everybody wants to know the question uh, that we we ask uh, ministers, preachers, pastors, you know, all that. You know, what drove you to become a minister? Well, I, I use the right word. Nothing really drove me. I was uh, I worked in the electrical industry for, for 12 years, worked for three different companies, four years each. I was working as an engineer in Sykes, Missouri, and uh, going to church every Sunday. I always gone to church and uh, me and my family, my kids. And I just sort of felt uh, just a uh, just had a thought rise up. You know, I think maybe I'm going to preach. So we went home for Christmas one year to visit my family and we're in there at Christmas time. And, and my dad's so proud of me because I really didn't do well in school. I didn't, I didn't like school. All I want to do is play football, baseball, <laughs> shoot something, hunt something and suck the lips off somebody's face. That is my five, 10 and 20 oh year. My God. And so, uh, so long story short, when I got back out of the service, I got married and I married my childhood sweetheart. I did. And so, uh, but I really wasn't going anywhere. I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to do. So I was working at a, a big uh, company in Chattanooga, Tennessee on the river, big electrical company. And I started off as janitor and I worked my way up to become a lab technician. Took four years because I, I realized, you know, when I was doing that job, you'd look around and, uh, and it was a union shop. And so uh, the swing shifts, three different shifts. So when you'd punch in, they have a big bid board, every, every job that's open in the plant. And so if it paid 10 cents an hour more than I was making, I'd sign my name up. And so <laughs> people would come to me early. And this one I realized, because I grew up in a family where everybody worked. You worked every Saturday. Manual labor is what you did, you know. And so uh, and so I knew how to work. You know, work wasn't a big deal. And people would tell me, hey, Joe, you're moving too fast. Hey, Joe, you need to slow down. Hey, Joe, you're making us look bad. I said, no, I'm normal, guys. I'm just working. I, they hired me to work. I have a lot of hobbies. Work's not one of them. I work for cash. Yeah. And so if that job pays more than this job, I'm going to get that job. And so I moved up to the company, became a lab technician. The guy that hired me in the lab, uh, I was the first non-degreed lab technician I'd ever hired. And so long story short, they shut the company down four years later. Uh, my engineer friend moved off to Missouri. He calls me nine months later and said, hey, do you have a job yet? I said, well, I'm working all kinds of jobs, not a real one. He said, I'd like to hire you to come out here as an engineer. I said, I'm not an engineer. I can't even spell engineer. Now I'm going to send you to night school and I'll help you get your degree. And so we did. I went out and I had a year of college. So we went out and sent me back to night school. Long story short, I became a degreed engineer and I love my job. I had a brand new home, living in Missouri. Uh, I'm having dropping babies like rainwater out of heaven. I'm having a good time. And so I just felt, you know, going to church, you know, I just kind of have downtime every now and then. I'd sit on that back porch and I'd think, I think maybe God's calling me in the ministry. So one Christmas I went in and I told my dad, we're watching a football game. And I said, Dad, I need to tell you something. He said, well, he was so proud of me because I'd come from so far back. You know, I've got a new house, a new wife, kids. I got a great job. I'm an engineer. I mean, God's really done a miracle. And so I told him, I said, Dad, I think God's called me in the ministry. I'm probably going to quit my job and go to Bible school. My dad didn't say a word. Well, he kept watching the ball game, and I knew that didn't go over very well. So the next day, we, he had a big shed up behind the house. 
where you didn't want to go as a kid, you know? And so dad said, come back here. I want to talk to you a minute. So I go out there. We're getting ready to drive back to Missouri. We walk out there and he said, he said, so you're going to be a preacher, huh? Yes, sir, I do believe I am. He said, well, bless God, you better be a good one because there aren't very many. I said, yes, sir, I'll do my best. And so long story short, quit my job, moved to Missouri, and uh, took three years to get to a two-year school. Eventually went to Oral Roberts University to get a master's in, the, in education. And so that's kind of how it started. And I, I did the same thing. I got on a church staff, and they, I said, what do I do? So, well, you're the education department head. And I said, what does that do? So we in charge of education. What kind of curriculum to have? We don't have one. You need to get one. And we had a church of 3,000 people, one of those new early just boomed out of nowhere. We don't know what we're doing. I said, well, we need a curriculum. You need, and, and then they said, well, you're in charge of the school. You know, we got a school, and it's a mess, and kids are getting kicked out and getting drunk and on drugs and fornicating. you got to take over the school. And so everywhere I went, people said, you got to fix this. you got to fix this. And I realized there aren't too many people that want to volunteer to fix anything. Right. Uh, so anyhow, I kind of moved up the food chain, and we did that for, for 10 years. I worked at that church, great church, uh, charged education in the Christian school. We did a lot of parenting classes, marriage classes, because I realized during the day, most of the people we're dealing with are our own church people that go to church all the time. Yeah. And the marriage is in trouble. Their kids are in trouble. Their kids are on drugs. I said, man, what happened to the family? So I said, we need to start doing something. We need something for the family. So we started a parenting class on Sunday evening. You had to want to be there because yeah. uh, my pastor tried to talk me out of it several times. Joe, we don't pay you to do that. We pay the, I know, but they need this. So Sunday evening, five o'clock. If you want to hear about parenting, we got a 50 minute class. Then, then a year later, we started doing marriage. And so 10 years later, people started asking us to come speak. So every weekend I'd go out, my pastor would encourage it. We'd go out like we go to Dallas, go to Wichita, go to Kansas city. We'd go within driving distance and do a Friday night, Saturday seminar on family. And so by that time we've got six kids. I mean, I got a, I got a suburban load of kids. So we'd take the family with us. Like who is this guy? Said, well, I'm here to teach on the family. And mostly we just answer questions. So it sort of was a slow move, but I knew, I knew my heart in 1975, we were praying one night before we had any kids and God spoke to us. And he told me one day, I'm going to take you all over the country. I'm going to use you to minister to families, especially to parents. He said, you'll turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, children back to the fathers. Your own family is going to stand amazed at what I'm going to do in your life in the last days. And that's what God said. And I wrote, it rolled right out of my mouth after we prayed one night. I said, well, I thought that, that was the weirdest thing I've ever said. I told my wife, and that's the dumbest thing you ever heard me say. I didn't have any kids. I'm going to tell somebody else how to raise theirs. So I ran from God for three years. And finally, he chased me down. And finally, I said, okay, I'll do it. And then we went, said, moved out here to Tulsa, went to school. And then we started doing the seminars. And so after 10 years, another very large church had about 12,000 people hired me and as a crusade coordinator. And we did crusades every weekend, we youth one weekend and leadership the next weekend all over America. And so we're doing that for a few months, and all of a sudden, they had to lay us off. They had a kind of financial crunch, and, and so I said, what are you going to do? So, well, you know, for the last several months, I've been doing seminars on the family. I guess I'll just do it myself. So I went and saw my lawyer, said, how I set up a 501c3 and nonprofit corporation, and I'm already an ordained minister, and so what are you going to do? So I'm going to teach on family. And so my first brochure was a three-fold brochure that looked like nothing, just cheap, three-fold <laughs> piece of white paper. And it said, Biblical Parenting 101. Well, at the time, I had no competition. People taught on marriage, money, you name it. Nobody taught on parenting except James Dobson. Well, you can't afford James Dobson. Uh -uh. You can afford me. And so all of a sudden, man, it, the first year we did a mail out. It was a cheap mail out. I think it had 2,000 trifold piece of paper we mailed out. 
And so from a Monday to a Saturday, we booked 75 churches the first year. So wow. I went to 75 churches. There's only 52 weekends, so we're double dipping on some weekends. So I went to 75 churches, and I haven't done a mail-out since. And it was because I hit something where there was nothing. I teach on parenting. Man, they just, people went crazy. Hey, you come teach on parenting? They wouldn't have, listen, doc, they never asked me my background. They didn't ask me education. They didn't ask me my religion. They don't care if I'm Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, charismatic. They don't care what I am. Just come teach us on family. And so it just exploded after that. And that's what we've been doing for the last 28 years. You've been doing that for 28 years. And I remember when I was uh, being introduced to you by a mutual friend, you know, it was funny. He said, now be careful. He said, uh, Joe's passionate and he's really funny too. And I said, <laughs> what do you mean? He goes, no, you'll find out. So I've got to ask you, man, you, you are, uh, you are a full of life and vibrancy and it's apparent that you've got the love of God shining from you. Um, I know the answer, but I want people to hear it from you. What is a source of the passion that keeps you going and keeps you challenged and keeps you moving? Well, everybody comes from somewhere. Everybody comes through something and sometimes mostly a mess. Everybody's got a testimony because we've all been tested. I grew up in a big family. My dad had 12 brothers and sisters. My father had 12 brothers and sisters. So we just had big families. People say, that asked, are you Catholic? I said, no. no you, are you Mormon? I said, no. What are you? I said, we're backslidden Baptists. I said, but why do you have so many kids? Well, we grew up in the country. People had kids to put them to work. My grandmother got married when she's 15, never went to school a day in her life, had her first baby before she turned 16. And people did that back then in the mountains. We grew up in the Appalachian Mountains. And so people just had kids to put them to work. And so I happened to marry a lady that came from the same kind of family I had. And, and uh, we got married. She said, in the first two weeks we were married, she said, you want to have kids? I said, sure, I want to have kids. I don't want to grow by myself. She said, how many do you want? I said, well, how about five? She said, well, yeah, that's a good number. <laughs> I said, we, we got all those in the back of a pickup truck. That's better than 12. <laughs> and so God did above and beyond. So we have six. And if I could start, I'd probably still had 12. I like having a big family. Family's yeah. just a fun thing to be with. You You got somebody to take you to dinner on Sunday. Somebody to send you on a cruise, buy you in the bay. <laughs> I mean, I told my kids, you owe me, you owe me good measure pressed down. So we birthed you and bathed you and got you out and launched out in the world. So family's always been the biggest issue. And I realized biblically as a minister, uh, the family will be the hottest issue in the last days. Yeah. It is the number one issue. Uh, the first thing the devil did was attack the home. Yep. The first family, Adam and Eve, got fired from the job, evicted from their house. Kids started killing each other. That's how it started. Hell hates the home. Yep. Hell hated God. It couldn't get it. God God kicked him out of heaven. So the devil went after the family. And so it's been a war ever since. And so you just look down through the biblical history. So I realized in the last days, the greatest move of God in the last days will be to the family. He said, I'll turn the hearts of the father's to the children, the hearts of children, to the fathers. People will stand amazed what I'm going to do. So you're looking at America today. We have, for the first time in American history, we have more blended families than core families. Yeah. Those weren't mine, yours, ours, two of these. Yeah. Uh, you know, the divorce rates are all-time high. Uh, and so most kids, young people, they don't want to get married because they came out of a mess. Well, I'll avoid that by not doing it. No, that doesn't fix it either. So we have an open door from what we do here at the ministry uh, we hit things everybody's dealing with. Yeah. Everybody's got a messed up family. People are mad. I made their own person. I made too late. I made on the rebound. No, you married your exact opposite. Yeah. God puts opposites together. Yeah. Uh, you know, people say, or I say, they'll come to me now. These are people either in the ministry or a church, you know, I said, man, we're so in love. I said, no, you're blind as a bat and dumb as dirt. You don't know what love is. <laughs> Love's the most expensive four letter word in the universe. 
when God made Adam, he made him a helper called Eve. Yeah, when he yeah. brought Eve down, she was different. I mean, physically different, mentally different, socially different. Those two are not the same. And so what God does, God doesn't give what you already have. He gives you what you don't have. Mm-hmm. And so he looked at Adam and said, you need help. I'm going to make you a helper. Now, the first half of that word is hell, per, L, per. <laughs> I'm going to make you a helper. And so people get made and realize, well, I made the wrong person. No, you married your exact opposite as a gift from God. Yeah. You're supposed to learn how to blend together and flow together. Because she's good at what you're not good at. You're good at what she's not good at. Two are better than one because you don't see the thing, the problem with the same viewpoint. You got a multitude of a, you got wisdom, multitude of characters. You got you got a powerful thing here called a marriage. So quit tearing the thing up. And how do you do that? Well, life and death's in the power of the tongue. We tell yep. most people all divorces start with words. All wars start with words. All affairs start with words. Guard your heart. Watch your mouth. Don't just say anything hit your brain. Uh, let your life and death in the power of the tongue. So you want to have a great marriage. First, you got to learn how to talk nice to your spouse and talk nice to your kids and tell them the truth. And it's not always huggy huggy. Sometimes you got to confront one another. And hey, you know, that's kind of stupid, you know? Yeah. And you got to be able to tell that. And so most people don't know how to do that. And so that's where our seminar has been so successful because there's so much humor. Because I grew up in a town, we didn't have a drive-in movie. We didn't have a tasty freezer or McDonald's. We had nothing. 750 people in a little mountain community. And that was a beautiful little town, but we didn't have anything. So you sat on the front porch. So every day after work or whenever you got home, you sit on the front porch. You listen to everybody tell stories about how it was in the good old days and back in the 40s. You realize there are no good old days. We've been in a mess from day one. You know, we're trying to get to the better day, trying to grow up. And so growing up in a big family, I saw how things went. We had aunts and uncles did great. Aunts and uncles did stupid. And even as a kid, you realize, well, I know why they're in a mask because they did stupid. Yeah. You know, they think stupid, they read stupid, they watch stupid. Stupid is as stupid does, the old movie said. And so I thought, man, I got to do different. I want to have a good family. And my kids flip the driveway. I want to smile, not lock the door. You know, no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. And so you have to teach, you have to train. And I used to tell people, children on loan from God. You, you're give, God gives us kids to train up and then give them back to God. So yeah. that's what we do. So it's a, been an incredible process. Well, it's, it's powerful. And, you know, just the question that comes to my mind is, you know, we have all seen the decay in the family. We've seen that. Yep. As you mentioned, that's the main attack point of our enemy. Now you've seen some miracles. You've seen yeah. some things come back. So uh, you want to share one of those stories with, with, with the folks here, because there's a lot of people out here listening that might be in a place right now of uh, deep wound and deep pain, and maybe in the verge of separation or divorce. What is the story that you would say to inspire them? Well, I always go back. I always go back to the word of God. It saved my life. You know, I tell people volume two is not coming out. God stick with volume one, get your Bible and read it. And, uh, and, and the old and new Testament, but the new Testament, that's our new, that's our new contract, our new covenant. And read that. It's like, what did God think about this? So, you know, when, when Jesus dealt with a woman caught in, uh, in adultery, she's the local harlot. Everybody knows she's a local harlot. She's been caught. Uh, a bunch of guys drag her down to Jesus because they're trying to mess with him. And they all got rocks in the hands. So this woman's been caught in adultery. The law says she'd be stoned to death. And Jesus said, that's right. That is what the law says. The old covenant law says she should be stoned to death. So Jesus knelt down drawn in the dirt. And he didn't even look up. He said, now he who is without sin, uh, throw the first rock. And they got quiet. And all the men look at each other. They know each other. Oh, I know you, Frank. I know you, Bill. I know you, but I know what you did. I know what you said. And so they begin to drop their rocks. And eventually they all left. So Jesus finally looks up and looks at the woman and says, woman, where's your accusers at? She said, I don't know. 
And Jesus said, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. Jesus never cares about your past. Mm. I don't care what you did, who you did it with, how many times you did it. Most people are hung up in their past, yep. how they've been hurt, abused, messed with. You know, somebody's beat them or somebody maybe molested them. I said, you got to let it go. You got to give that thing to God and get looking forward, not looking back. You do not have a time machine. You cannot go into your past and change one single thing. So quit living there. Quit going there. Quit thinking about that. Think about tomorrow. God's mercies are new in the morning, not yesterday. So our deal and all the seminars we teach is let's focus on the future. How can we make this better? How can we improve our marriage? How can we improve our parenting skills? I don't care if your kids are grown. You think, well, I messed them up. You can still work on them. God's a redeeming yeah. God. I mean, you know many people came to Jesus and, well, Jesus, I sure wish I'd have heard you 20 years ago. Well, I just showed up now. <laughs> and said, so this can take place now. And so even with all the apostles, there were so many miracles how they're normal people. The apostles are not all water walkers. They messed up like everybody else. They sinned. They cut ears off. You know, Jesus had to put it back on. No, not yet. So you got the wrong idea. And so if you get in the word of God, you realize God wanted to have wholesome, healthy, smiling, loving families that would make other people ask them about the hope that's in them. What makes you different? Well, you know, you just religious. No, I know Jesus. Uh, I know the word of God, you know, and it tells me how to act as a husband, as a father, as a mother, as a wife, as a parent, as a child. It's got how you work, how you live. And if you walk by these things in the Bible, life will go well. It says, I want, God said, I will give you a long life with long life. Will I bless you and, and prosper you and give you hope. It's like, so God wants good things to happen. Well, then how come so much bad's going on? Yep. Most people don't know this. Satan is in charge of this planet. Yep. When Adam and Eve sinned, Satan became the legal God. He steals, he kills, he destroys, John 10, 10. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, he's the legal God. And I do all the family weddings and funerals because I'm the preacher. So they'll ask me, Joe, why did this happen? Why did God let this happen? God didn't let this happen. Yeah, God's all powerful. He's in charge of everything. No, he's not. He's not in charge of this planet. He gave this planet to Adam and Eve. Adam gave it to the devil. Satan is yep. now the legal temporary yep. God of this planet. He doesn't have to be your God, but he's the God of this planet. And so what we are, we're like stormtroopers, especially praying to drop them behind enemy lines. What are you here for? I'm going to give water to the thirsty and food to the hungry. I'm going to help the sick, help the widows, help the orphans. I'm here to be a blessing. And so you got to change your whole attitude about life. When you get up every day, what are you looking for? I'm looking to be a blessing today to somebody. Yep. And uh, I'm looking to fix some hell somewhere because every day hell's going to make a run at you. It, it, Jesus never sinned once and hell made a run at him every day. Apostle Paul wrote two thirds New Testament. Hell made a run at him every day. They said, well, I'm trying to get where hell won't make, make a run at him. No, no, welcome to planet Earth. Hell's going to make a run at you. Your job is to resist the devil and to speak the word of God and to walk in love and go the second mile, give you a shirt and your coat. There's a way to have victory, but there's things that have to be done. So that's in our whole seminar about family, where it's parenting and marriage or men or money, like, hey, God, there's a way to live very successfully, very prosperously, but yeah. you got to do it according to the word of God. And there's going to be resistance. Well, yeah, and I, I want people to connect with you and take part of these seminars. But before I get to my next question, how, how do they do that? You got some coming up. I mean, I don't, obviously. Yeah, we're somewhere every weekend. We, we do about 60 seminars a year. Uh, we've yep. got a podcast, joemcgee.com. And you, we're there on every day. You can go there and watch our program, see it, and that's all free. Uh, yep. We got a, a huge uh, uh, resource that we do. We do resources. Uh, we have seminars online. We got we sell our seminars. We got books. We have our own publishing company, Stone Bluff Publishing. So we found as many ways to reach people as we possibly can. Because you know, as good as this has been, God's still going to hold me accountable when I get to heaven. Joe, did you do what I called and asked you to do? 
just when I was a lab technician, you know, I need to do what my boss asked me to do. When I was an engineer, what do you do? I'm doing what my boss. I'm not the head of this company. That guy with his name on the building, he's the head of the company. I'm here to serve him. So I'm trying to do as good a job for him as I possibly can. Mm. I, I, I don't give my opinion unless they ask me. And I've had some, I've had people ask, Joe, what do you think? Well, now if you ask me, I'm going to tell you what I think. Other than yeah. that, I'm not going to tell you. I'm here to do my job. And so, you know, as a Christian, my job is a husband. What's the, where's the book? Well, I got to get my Bible. What is husband yeah. supposed to do? I'm supposed to love my wife. I'm going to make her suck the lips off my face. I'm going to be so good to her. I don't care how bald I get or how heavy I get. She's going to suck the lips off my face. I'm the second greatest thing outside Jesus that ever happened to her. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is hilarious. Well, I got to ask. You mentioned uh, a moment ago about uh, people living in the past, you know, past wounds, past hurts, past sin, past regret, yep. et cetera, et cetera. You know, and you know what I do. We've talked. Yep. What is your opinion on how that living in the past, past wounds has affected our, our physical health? I know it affects our spiritual health, but how does it affect our, our physical health? I'd say half the people in the hospital are there because of mental issues. Wow. Uh, your, your physical health goes down because your mind goes south and you don't fight anymore. You don't resist. You think, well, nobody loves me. Nobody wants me. Nobody likes me. You know, I'm this, I'm that. And then pretty soon you won't go out in public and you stay in a room and you stay in front of a TV all day long. You don't, you don't coexist with other people. God wanted humans to exist with other humans, iron striking iron. You know, I know when I'm stupid, when another human said, Joe, that was stupid. <laughs> and that's why I have a great, my, my board. I love these guys. They're veteran people, smarter than me. I, I didn't put them on the board because I liked them. I put them on my board because they would tell me the truth. Guys, I expect you to tell me the truth. I have people that like me. I didn't put you on my board because you like, I put you on my board, tell me the truth. If I'm doing stupid, please tell me I'm stupid. I mean, if you love me, I mean, can you imagine spending your whole life with somebody and you realize you get the end of your life and say, man, that was stupid, Joe. Why didn't you tell me 40 years ago? If you love me, tell me the truth. And so that's where most of the society is. We're stuck in our past trying to fix something. Well, I can't fix it. Did you do this? Yes. You feel bad about it? No, I gave it to God. I repented. Did you do that? Yeah. No, I feel bad about that? No, I gave it to God. And so what happens is the devil's trying to condemn you. He's the accuser of the brethren. Yeah. Most people, they feel accused. And people will do what the devil says. Family members will do it. They'll accuse you. And what are you going to do? Well, no, I gave that to God. Did you do that? Yeah. What would you do? I repented. Did you do that? Yeah, I forgave him. Can't touch me. I'm like a greasy bar of soap. Nothing's going to stick to me. And you got to learn how to repent quick and forgive quick and keep moving forward. The Bible says the righteous fall seven times a day, but they get back up. Yep. We're not the perfect people, Doc. We're the getting back up people. And that's what makes people ask about the hope that's in us. Well, I thought you messed up. Didn't you Didn't you get fired? Yeah. What'd you do? Got a better job. Got another job. You know, what happened? Did you, go, did you go broke? Yeah, I went belly up bankrupt. What'd you do? Well, I realized that was stupid. It got me a budget, and I started saving money, and I fixed yep. that thing. It took seven years, but I fixed my credit. And we, yeah. we all mess up, but what do we, not, we can't stay there. I can't stay a little old concrete table on the side of the road when Disney World's around the corner. God's got better things ahead, but we get off on some little table on the side of the road and we sit there the rest of our life because, well, I'll fail again. Yes, you will, but you'll get yeah. back up again. You got to learn how to get back up. And that's both of our stories. That's We just got back up, you know? Well, that's it. I mean, it's like you mentioned something key to keep getting back up. And I think that's the key to everything, isn't it? You yes, know, it you is. mentioned the repentance. That's the heart of God. That's, that's the, that's the heart of David who was called a man after Ooh. God's own heart. I think that's just so profound. Well, Joe, as you go into your ministry, you and your wife and go out there and teach these things, I suppose that, um, 
you are met with a lot of welcomeness, like, where have you been? That kind of things like sure, that. Sure, you get that. How do you feel that we as leaders have perhaps not been as effective as we need to be in teaching these areas like family and, and, and togetherness again, and even health as it relates? What is your opinion and assessment of that? Well, because your expertise is health, Ben, the, the tail end of this thing is trying to get us all dead early. The worry, the, yeah. the, the anxiety, the not knowing where to put the problems, everything you deal with is where most everybody's going. And, of course, when we talked about it, that changed about 120 years ago when we're on the TV and radio and, and the media came about. And so we don't live on the farm. We don't work hard every day from sunup to sundown. We're sitting at a desk, we're at a computer, and so we've gained a lot of weight, and we don't move around as much because society changed. And so that's why health clubs sprung up all over America 20 years ago. Why? Yep. People, are going to, people are willing now to pay for what they have, used to have to do to get a job, you know, to get work. Well, now we're having to pay for it. But at least some people are waking up. So I think the thing that's going on is like, God's not dead. He didn't die. Uh, he's still got a group of people. And so people like you have come along. And God's always had special uh, ambassadors, evangelists, preachers, pastors. Uh, he's always had a group of people that, you know, you need to this. And all of a yeah. sudden, you, you didn't pray for it, but they showed up in your life. Yeah. Well, every good thing ever happened to me, I didn't look for it. God just sent it by me. You realize, yeah, yeah and I needed that. Yeah. God said, I know you needed that. You, you didn't even ask for it, but I sent it by, you know, God loves me before I ever love him. And so what we do, you know, what we do is, and people ask about the humor thing. Or the thing. No, and I, I, I did come from a family that liked to laugh a lot. Mostly we made fun of other people. But <laughs> yeah. there's a very positive thing I grew up Hey, man, you might as well laugh because, uh, you know, you can't do anything else. You sit there and get mad. People are going to make more fun of you. And so a big family, everybody knew you were stupid when you were stupid. They would tell you. And that's why you loved them. <laughs> Joe, I'm yeah, stupid. Yeah. Appreciate you sharing that, Frank. Appreciate you sharing that. <laughs> I'll try not to do that again. But I'm trying not to look stupid, you know. And so what happens is the health thing just came up and bit us on the backside. And we didn't see it coming. Now you watch the programs, you know, about the fast food places and how our kids are put on so much yeah. weight. And most kids, you go to a local high school, man, they're portly. Yeah. It, it, we are a portly bunch of people because there's more going in than we're putting out any physical stuff. So yeah. we need, God always has somebody. God had the advantage when the, when I, the big word of faith movement hit back in the forties. And all of a sudden, you know, I uh, started with the Catholic church, you know, and most of people got spirit filled and people started to preach the word and share the gospel and the full gospel businessmen came along. All of a sudden businessmen are going to meetings to hear about Jesus and yeah. share the stories, how they were successful. And what happened? Well, God's always been moving. So right now in these days, you're, you're like one of the last great apostles. Yeah. What we need to make it to the finish line is to take care of our health. Now we know it, but we don't have a clue how to do it. We, we know every time we get on the scale, we try to avoid the scale. You going to get on that scale? No. My wife asked me about three weeks, you getting on the scale? No, ma'am. I'm trying to avoid it <laughs> at all costs. You know, well, that's when we contact you. I know we got to do something. I don't have a clue what to do. I'm too busy to do it every day. Like most of I don't care what you do for a living. Everybody's busy. Yeah. Everybody's busy. But that health is critical. You got to put... You, somewhere out of those 24 hours God gives you every day, you better take at least one hour uh, or, or something and put into your health or it's going to go south. And when you yeah. lose it, you don't get it back. Once they stick you in the ground, it's done, people. And so it's a ministry. I've buried all a lot of family members. You know, I've done all the funerals. You realize, man, they died too early. They died too early. Like, yeah. And so, uh, and you realize, no, I need to get serious about this. So you're like a last day apostle. You really are. Well, I am completely overwhelmed by, you know, 
what you just said. So thank you for that. It means a lot <laughs> to my heart. And uh, I appreciate that. And I'm glad to know you because um, the things that you've spoken to our lives over the last little bit have certainly encouraged myself. And I appreciate that. And I honor that. And certainly I know it encouraged a lot of our, our folks out here as well around the world. Um, Joe, how can people one more time connect with you? Just go to joemcgee.com. You can look us up on the internet, uh, type it on the computer, joemcgee.com, M-C-G-E. E E E. People try to spell M. Are you M C G H E? No, it's just M C G E E. So it's real simple. Joe McGee, not Joseph, not Josephine, just plain JoeMcGee.com. And we're going to make sure to put that in the link in the feed as well as your bio, your website, all that stuff, and your resources as well. You know, there's people out here that, you know, always need uh, this parting word of hope, this parting thing that just sticks with them. What would you say to your audience right now along those lines, Joe? God loves you more than you love yourself. God has all the days of your life written in a book in heaven. The Bible says all the days of my life were pre-recorded in a book. And I tell people all the time, eventually you're going to get to heaven. Once you get past the Lamb's book of life, your name's in the book, so you get to stay. They're going to open another book called the book of works. That's what you did in faith, out of faith, for God, not for God. And so there are recording angels that record everything you do, the Bible says, if I have an idle thought, an angel where I sit down, my life's being recorded. My entire life's being written down. And when you get to heaven, I want to I want to hear God say, well done. Yeah. I want to hear those words, well done. So I try to tell people, you can start right now. You can't change your past. I was an idiot. I was a doofus. I was ignorant. Did I sin? Oh, yes, I sinned a lot and with a lot of zeal. And I realized sin did not pay off. It did not yeah. pay well at all. Uh, the pleasure of sin is really good for a season. Yeah. Then it bites you on the backside. Then I realized something. You know, this sin is not working. Sin is not working. What's going on? I think I need to find this God thing they've been talking about all these years. Yeah. So I finally found God. And even then, when I found God, my name's in the last book of life. I'm going to heaven. But I realized I still fall down a lot. Yeah. Every day I get to repent again. Forget Just what you're dealing with. Listen, guys, I can help you with the help. No, you're not going to hit a home run every day. And we joked about it. If you bat 333. Yep. If you bat 330, they put you in the Baseball Hall of Fame. How did you make the Hall of Fame? I struck out two-thirds of the time. That's how I made the Hall of Fame. So I tell people, if you fall down, get back up. You're going to fall down. You're going to mess up. Get up. Spit the dirt out. Repent. Forgive. And get moving again. Those are the people that make it. It's the ones that know how to get back up, not lay down in the dirt and feel sorry for themselves. So what you're going to do, your program, and then you've encouraged, you've been so encouraged when you start, Hey, let's start with these three things and we'll pick up another. If you fall down, Hey, we'll yeah. pick it back up again. You got to just repeat, repeat, repeat. And so that's what Christianity is about. It's about repenting and forgiving and repenting and forgiving and getting back up the next day. So get back up. Wow. That is so good. And, and I, appreciate you. Thank you so much for being on. But most importantly, I want to thank you for being my friend. And I look forward to the cultivation of our friendship and our relationship. Too, and my wife uh, does too, buddy. <laughs> yeah. You're at the top of the food chain, brother. You're at the top of the food chain right now. <laughs> we got work to do. We've got lives to give health and hope to. And Joe McGee, you are an inspiration and I really honor and appreciate you so much. And thank you so much for sharing your time. I know you're a busy guy and uh, I'm just grateful for you. I'm honored. Highly honored. Thank you, doc. Appreciate it. Well, there you are folks. Joe McGee, joemcgee.com. You'll see the, the connect down there. And I want you to connect with him. You got, we all got family. We all got baggage. We all got stuff and junk in the trunk in our family history. <laughs> 
Let's get it right. Let's move forward and let's live with health and hope for as long as we're supposed to and not shorten it intentionally every day by our behaviors. So there you go. And I hope you've had a good time. Thank you all everyone for watching. We'll look forward to seeing you next time. Doctors Mark and Michelle Sherwood and their clinic can help you find the hope and health you were created to enjoy. Go to Sherwood.tv for clear, proven ways you can be healthier. Subscribe at Sherwood.tv.